live from the old National Bank State Street Studio. Across from the historic Chicago Theater, you are listening to Carmen and Yurko on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good Karma Brands radio station. Yes, Peg, this is still your show. You okay? Uh, yeah. It is a delicious beef sandwich, isn't it? Yes, it is. Thank yeah. you so much for sending it yeah. down for me. I was Teammates. starving. Much appreciated. And um, our thanks to Chris Black and you. Justin? You. That's Justin that would, Pottinger. That's what the good yeah, kid called him, you. you. And hey, you. Hey, you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, sorry about that. As I'm, I, I don't want to say I need to swallow, but I need to swallow. Oh, Peggy, what's going on, Peggy? I have a beef sandwich. Uh, I no. bet you do. Oh, thank God, it's not a sausage sandwich. <laughs> oh, here we go. Don't you have the spittoon here? Here we go. Don't you have a, a, no, a work that's spittoon? in my bedroom. Yeah. Come on, you know that. Oh, my goodness. I only know that because you told us all yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And that was just for fun. Sylvia so and I have that. had this conversation before. Excuse me? People should not believe everything that they hear. No. Right. Because it's radio. Yeah. yeah. It's theater it's of the radio. mind, right? It's theater of the exactly. mind. Theater of the mind. Exactly. So, you know, you just don't believe everything. It's all entertainment what purposes. What right. whole game is this on above, you guys? It's the Poulin Weed Eater Bowl. It's the this looks like it's being coffee. Looks like it's being played at a high school. Yeah, yeah. It looks like your high school. But, but we would jam that thing. Like we get nineteen thousand for a game. Who's playing in this? I don't know. Uh, trying to figure. I'm trying that to figure out. What six is, and is that a roadrunner? Who do we got? Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky. and Old Dominion. And Old wow. Dominion is wow. just running roughshod over there. I played Western Kentucky. Was it Western when I was Kentucky in the school that uh, Jim Harbaugh's dad yeah, coached Jack, to, to Jack a couple of national titles? Well, I don't know if he had a couple. Oh, national I think titles. he did. I think he did. Might have been later on. Maybe uh, I was. I remember uh, when I played, he was down there coaching at the time. Okay, yeah. But now they're Division One, right? Back they, then they were one double A, right? And I believe Jack Harbaugh had a couple of uh, championships. Well, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to we're going to verify that. Tommy. Okay. Were you All Division right. One at Eastern? One double A. We were one double A at Southern, right? Well, yeah. Of course, yeah. we played right. you guys all the time. The great Ray Dore was yeah, the coach I, down there. Yeah, absolutely, we went down to the uh, championship. It played at the Citadel. That was a big road trip. We rented an RV, went and oh. partied for the SIU, nice. playing in the championship game. I still have, I think, a an old Coke bottle. That was 1983, right? Yeah. Yes. Yesterday was the anniversary, by yeah. the way. It was? Did you know that? It no. was a 40-year anniversary. 1983. Yesterday. We won a Division II championship in 1979, Salute. Eastern Illinois did. Was, at least. And then we moved up to the 1AA level. When you win championships, they make you move up. Oh, I did not realize that. Yeah, not Southern, though. They're happy to have you. The Salukis down I'm sorry, there. Jack only had one championship in 2002. Well, yeah, okay, I'll give you that. They were 12-3. and three. They were yeah, the NCAA okay. Division One AA champion. We've That's been waiting with David Brown. Yeah. Delivered. Western Kentucky team was when I was down there. Okay. All right. Yeah, we handed them their ass that Did year. You? Yeah, gave it to them real good. Yeah, 6-5 and five they were that year. I had three sacks that year. Did you? In that game, yeah. Nice. Went that year? 
No, that game. That game. That individual. That propels you to being a, in the ring of honor, did also it? Also got a 15-year, uh, a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty when I yelled at the referee because he didn't knew he didn't know what to do on a punt that went out of bounds. Just like just like start yesterday. yelling at him. Yeah. He says you jackalunas, you don't know what you're doing, do you? And then he threw the flag and he says, "How about now? Do I know what I'm doing?" Well, it seems like it. (laughs) Yurko had some words for Sarah Thomas yesterday during the Bears game. Second time this year. Hey, ponytail. Hey, ponytail. Is that what you're... you're, I didn't say that. You guys have crossed the line. Hey, ponytail. What are you looking at? She made the mistake in terms of the stopping the clock earlier in the year, right? Yes. Yes. She had a couple of calls with uh, the ball placement yesterday. Yeah, she's not good with ball placement. No. No. Yeah, that was frustrating, Yurko. Not saying anything. Yeah. yeah, ponytail. I got. Can I tell you this before Eberflus comes on in five minutes again? Yeah, two ten every Monday <laughs> when they play on Sunday. He, inter- he interrupted our show earlier today. I told him to do it to again. Going to do it again. Yeah, I love sitting in watching with Peggy and and Yurko. First of all, these two are brother sister. <laughs> I got in at your car. I didn't tell you this. That's good. Do you know, first of all, do you know what Peggy does to get the room ready for you? <laughs> Sprays uh, uh, air freshener. Oh, she we did need it yesterday. There's a little cherry juice action that we were yeah, all too paying much for. Cherry juice yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Your girl was drinking uh, oh, cherry juice, uh, concentrated ger- cherry juice. Why? I want to feel better. He was having some issues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine. And he just okay. kept measuring it and pouring it into his cherry juice? into his water. bottle, yeah. water into his bottle. It was concentrated, so you got to mix it with water, gotcha. you know, gotcha. to get the flavor that and, one desires. And, and, and then his stomach was bubbling and oh, bubbling. Yeah. And then by mid second quarter, he was shooting it at me. Yeah, yeah. I'd he was shooting cheek. farts from, at me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. shooting the farts. He had the butt gun loaded, and, and it was firing. And, and like it doesn't doesn't matter that Peggy's there. No, their brother's sister, and he's just going. He's it, nonstop. Do you fart in front of your all your sisters? Uh, I only have one sister, oh. Eva. Now you have two. All men, yeah. all men do. Even uh, my sister don't screw around either. She's Listen, that's, that stuff that stops like even in a relationship after yeah. you yeah. know oh, like yeah. three months in at the yeah. most. Oh, you played turtle. You and Jason have played turtle, haven't you? Okay. No, but Come my on. husband. You guys get under the sheets. Hell no! Somebody rips hell one, and the first one to stick no. their head out is the turtle. Oh, hell I, I no! Didn't know it was a game. Oh, oh, no, really? it's like the it, that's like the Dutch oven. Dutch that's oven. In the car. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. I lock the windows in the car when I let one rip. No, you. Oh, that's, yeah. My husband is torture. My that's husband torture. is is the crop dusting king. He'll just come in and crop dust yeah. a room. It's my hair. And walk out and clear out the room. Anander, yeah. nice yeah. job. Good Absolutely. Work. Hey, the crops yeah. need it. Yeah. I, I, you know, like my husband. I, I know, I'd like to, you know, I'll prep the room for him. I prepped the room for Yurko you yesterday. Prepped the room yesterday with chocolate, and then Yurko pooped the room. And then you prepped it, it, then he pooped it. Well, you got to you got to close the shades. He doesn't like the shades well, open. I always do that when I get there. I close yeah. the shades. So I close well, that, them for right. you. That's right. I thought it was very cute. Yeah. It was like Peggy looked cute. at me. Well, there's no glare like, on the windows. It, it was like she forgot and she <laughs> sprung up into action. Yeah. Oh, oh, Yurko, Yurko's got to have it a little darker when in I, here. When I, when I, when <laughs> no, the reason like the a reason superhero. you do that is so there's no glare right. on the TV screen. Right. Oh, and so she you knows you. I am in peace. That's exactly. not knowing me. That's knowing the fact that you don't want to glare on the window. Okay, All Sylvie. Right? You don't want it. The reason I did that, it's really... 
to benefit myself. Because if he yeah. walks in the room and immediately oh, has something to complain about, yeah, I now I can't hear or listen to the game at all because he's, he's complaining. He's yeah, he's well, distracting. He's Pat the disruptor. I'll complain until I get it out of my system and I feel good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so you know. For right. me, I'd rather just you know let's so, one like, less thing to in, worry about. If I come in and the things, I can't believe how bright it is in here. I mean, geez, who the hell turned on the well, sun? Isn't it bright as soon as you walk in the room? Well, I like to think I brighten up the yes, room. Yes, you enlighten no, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, you make people smarter. Yes, what I like to think. Yes. yes, thank you, Tommy. You're welcome. Oh my god, very right. But hey, no, that's but, the way. That, that's just the way you you got to prep the room. Have you for ever it. been it's dropped? Like prepping for surgery. Speaking of it, have you ever been dropped into coverage, <laughs> Doctor Yurko? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he oh, talked been dropped about into that. Coverage. Yeah, I covered uh, Jerry Rice in a playoff game, 17 yards downfield. Not well. Who? You? Oh, what are you talking about? I covered uh, the other Hall of Famer. I covered was touchdown Timmy Brown. Cover him well. down the field, too. No, Not no. Well. I got the tackle right they after. Used to calm no yak yardage. Brent Jones, I smacked in the face to let him know that I was there. Hey, incomplete ball. That was before the game started. Yeah, they dropped me in coverage all warm-ups. the time. He just my... reached over and smacked it, Brent Jones you know, in the face. Matt Brock dropped in coverage one time. A defensive lineman got an interception. I mean, it was an athletic interception, yeah. too. Yeah. I, that was the that was one of the first things I asked him. Yeah, I said, zone blitz. What, what, why would you have... The guy that looks next to Billingsley, <laughs> the guy that who, would by the not way, be, is a disruptor, right? But would not be your most athletic. Yeah, that would be well, we're well, because we're planning on getting to the quarterback. That's why. Yeah, I've seen a Dick LeBeau invented it. Uh, Dick LeBeau ran it. They got to the quarterback. That's what you're trying to do. You're not depending upon the defensive guy to really have to get in the coverage if your blitz gets to where it's supposed to be. All right, coach is ready, guys. All right, All right have a good, good show, guys. Nice to see you. you. I'm a big fan of the zone blitz. Okay. All right. We'll pass that along. All right. There's Yurko, Peggy. You hear them on the uh, post-game show, and it was uh, good to hear them uh, with Peggy in for Carmen today. It's Waddle and Sylvie, and we'll take your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Let's bring in the head coach of the Bears. He's Matt Eberflus, and he joins us right now in the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Uh, Coach, thanks for joining us again today. Um, I I heard both of your press conferences after the game and uh, just about an hour ago, and uh, you keep citing fundamentals as the reason why uh, these double-digit leads have disappeared. Why do they keep happening in Week 15? Yeah, so uh, if you look at the previous two weeks, uh, obviously we executed in, in the, the two-minute, four-minute at the end of the game. You know, in the Minnesota game and the Detroit game, we finished the Minnesota game with a field goal, and we also finished the Detroit game with uh, taking the ball away and having fourth-down stops on defense. So that's what I'm referring to. So yesterday we have to do a better job of continuing that, and it comes down uh, to execution. It always comes down to fundamentals um, of your position. So, and look, I know, and like, there there are a lot of good things, and I do understand that you like to read a lot of the good things that are happening, but these aren't just games that you aren't finishing. You aren't, these are games that you aren't finishing that are historical collapses in Bears history. So, why are, why are they happening in that regard? Yeah, I would just go back to the other answer I just gave you. Um, it, it comes down to us doing a great job with the execution piece, uh, being where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, and uh, executing at, at a fast and violent rate. 
Coach, talk us through the play. A lot of people are discussing the play. Uh, Njoku makes the catch. Uh, Justin Jones finds himself in coverage. It's third and 15. Do you regret being that aggressive considering that you were facing four backup offensive linemen and your front four had gotten consistent pressure the entire game? Yeah, so, you know, that I explained that play after the presser, and I know you watched both of them, but uh, really the same thing. You know, we were trying to, uh, you know, get them to spit the ball out quick and then tackle the catch. And, again, when it works, um, it's, it's a good call. And, uh, again, we used that call uh, a few times other uh, in critical situations. And, um, again, it didn't work there. And uh, so uh, it was a good call by them. Is it specifically used in your, you know, you've called defenses for quite some time in certain down and distances. And is it a call that you prefer when you are, you do have the opponent at third and fifteen? Um, yeah, you can use it different various locations um, for sure. But uh, again, there's a lot of calls you can call there, and again, that one when that one there didn't work. But uh, again, it's worked uh, many times in the past. Well, walk us through what happened on the Amari Cooper touchdown as well. Can you please? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was again. We were in a shell defense there, and they were running a deep crosser, and uh, we happened to be in cover two on that one, and uh, so. It's important that the uh, corner gets his depth, okay, and then visions the quarterback and breaks one-third the distance when the ball's in the air. So uh, we should have had at least the pass knocked down or we should have had it uh, intercepted. Is that inexperience from, from a young cornerback, in your opinion? Well, I, think, I just think that the, the experience of those guys, those guys have done an awesome job, uh, uh, first of all. And Coach Hoke has done a, a, an amazing job of coaching those guys. And uh, we're, we're so excited about both Tyreek and Smitty. And those guys are going to be great uh, going into the future, and they have been great as rookies. And uh, so those are, that's a learning experience for those guys, and those are the type of guys that we want on our Chicago Bears. Talking to Matt Eberflus, it's Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. Coach, on the offensive side of your ball, uh, half of your drives were three and outs. Um, your one touchdown drive was one yard. You had 236 net yards of offense. Um, and in the big picture, I know you're very proud of the takeaways, and those are really, really good and impressive on defense. But... Um, the defense in the 13 chances where you've taken away the ball 14 times in the 13 chances, you've only scored on five of those. When you add all that up into the offensive calculator, have you considered someone else calling the plays other than Luke Getze? Yeah, so I would look at those. You know, yesterday, obviously, we scored 14 you know, off of that, obviously from the one-yard line. And Tremaine had a tremendous uh, interception return, and we're getting much better at the return game off those interceptions. So I would point that out first. And then obviously when we get uh, momentum, okay, and we seize momentum into the positive part of the field um, through kick returns or, you know, through interception returns, fumble returns, you know, we want to score touchdowns. You know, we're we're working on that. And that's been an important part of us, and we call that sudden change. And that's sudden change on the on the offense, right? So we get it to the minus, the plus field, and they have to get off the bench, and they have to do a good job of scoring touchdowns. Now, defensively, we also did a good job of sudden change yesterday, where they had the ball it was a muff punt, got the ball right there uh, in scoring range, and we had up intercepting the ball and taking it back out to the thirty five. It was a great play by Tyreek and the entire defense. But again, like I said, on offense, we got to do a really good job of seizing those momentums. Um, you stated the facts already, and uh, we got to do a better job there. Have you thought about changing it up and letting someone else call your offensive plays? 
Yeah, Luke Getzey's our offensive coordinator, and he'll be calling the plays. And 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 a lot of people are talking about your long term future. If you do return next year, is Luke Getzey your offensive coordinator next year? Yeah, we're focusing on Arizona, and that's really where our feet are, and where our mindset is, and where our eyes are. We're focusing on on uh, improving and getting better, and putting our best foot forward this week. And and the guys uh, in the locker room, and the coaching staff, and the entire. Um, Chicago Bears organization is right there with Coach, their eyes forward to Arizona. Coach, there was a lot of talk about taking more deep shots, especially in the, over the course of this game. Is it a, a product of them not being called enough, or are there opportunities, opportunities Excuse me, and Justin is just not pulling the trigger? No, I think that yesterday, you know, you obviously saw the one to Bobby. That was a really good design. Uh, we got, got ourselves a one-on-one with a linebacker, and I think that was really good. Um, you know, and then the other shot, you know, we had a, the play on the, the first play from scrimmage. You know, we just got to do a better job protecting on the right there. That was another good shot. And then we end up doing a really good job after the Bobby shot to throw in a, a real nice ball down the field to DJ, you know, a 27 yard strike. And that was really good um, as well. So we took our shots, we called them, and sometimes they take them away, and you got you to throw the, the ball underneath. And, and when they don't, we'll throw it over the top. Were there opportunities, in your opinion, though, that Justin could have pushed the ball downfield and, and just chose to go in a different direction? Um, no, I didn't see that watching the tape. I thought he took the shots he needed to. How about the consistent pressure he was under? I think that the pressure rate that he faced yesterday was the highest rate that he's faced as a Bear. And, and again, it's a, it's a very good defense. But was there something that you could have done differently in terms of scheme and protection that could have helped with pass protection? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the old Miles uh, didn't have a sack uh, yesterday, so I think we did a pretty good job, you know, in terms of containing him there and uh, Justin feeling the pressure. But yeah, there certainly was pressure. Um, I'm not going to say there wasn't because of the, you know, Big Z, the guy that was at Minnesota. Now he's over there, and then I was obviously Miles. You got two of the best pass rushers in the league, and you know, Miles obviously is is one of the best uh, in a long time. So. Uh, those guys can generate some pressure, um, and they certainly did that yesterday, but uh, um, we certainly felt that too at times. I, I know you addressed Mooney in the press conference and about him talking about the offense getting complacent. Uh, his quote was, I didn't like how we felt comfortable in the third quarter, just lackadaisical and conservative. Everybody was just happy we were winning. Um, were you disappointed that he, he thought that and vocalized that? Yeah, so, you know, we really, you know, focus on, uh, you know, what, what you're in control of. And he, he said that, and th- and that's his opinion. And uh, to me, um, that's not indicative of the entire football team. You know, so I really believe, you know, that we were locked in, focused, and we know what the NFL game is. It's always about, you know, working to that fourth quarter and executing in that fourth quarter. I, I know you guys have been a fan of his. I'm a big fan of his. Do you believe he is still – all in considering the up and down nature of his season. Yeah, you know, it's like like anything. When you have adversity, you know, as an individual or as a group um, or as a football team, it's not how you react, it's how you respond. And it's important that he responds the right way, and he's done that. You know, he's put the work in every single week, and he's got to continue to do that through adversity. You know, and he's got to have a, a really good mindset. Um, going in and approach every single week. I mean, he's going to do that this week. Coach, before we let you go, just kind of a general question for you. Is it too much to ask anybody to be both a coordinator and a head coach? Very few guys in the history of this sport have been able to handle it because those are two really detailed responsibilities. 
No, I think I think there's been several, you know, uh, in the history to do it. I think it's important that, um, you know, you have great people helping you, you know, and I think I, I, we really have that. You know, we got we got a great support staff. Um, I have I have uh, several guys that are helping me. You know, my chief of staff, Sean McGee, does a great job. Um, Harry does a great job with game management. Uh, Kevin is my assistant. Um, do a really good job um, helping me, you know, manage different aspects of the of the head coaching job. And being a defensive coordinator, that's it. That's it. You know, uh, pretty easy for me. In, a wheel, in my wheelhouse, I've done it for over 12 years, so um, I'm at ease with that as well. Matt, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thanks, Thank Coach. you. All right, appreciate you. Thank you. There you go. There's Matt Eberflus. Um, again, like I was, I really was a believer. They, they, and for three quarters, I'm like, here we are. Like everything that we were sort of selling, they're they're going to do. They're going to go to Cleveland. And, and they're going to win, um, and they're going to win their third in a row, and they're going to come back at 6-8. and eight. And again, never what we sell to be 6-8, and eight, but in the context of this season of starting off 0-4 to bounce back and to go to 6-4 and four in the last 10, and then to have these games against the Cardinals and the Falcons, maybe to set up a, a game where you're, you're playing for the playoffs against Green Bay, I'm like, they're going to do it. And they should have done it. And and there's no excuse why they didn't do it. Um, and to allow Joe Flacco to throw for over 200 yards in the fourth quarter, to blow another uh, 10-point lead in the fourth quarter is is inexcusable. And again, like what the point that I want to make to, to Matt and to like anyone that I would talk to about the Bears is these aren't just finishing. These aren't just learning how to win games. These are historically bad losses. One of these games should never happen in a season. The Denver game should never happen. The Lions game should never happen in a singular season. The Browns game should never happen in a single season. These three games have happened in a span of eight weeks, all in the same season. And there have been a lot of really, really good moments in where this defense has come together. But when you can't finish these games and and you blow these games in the historic context in which the Bears have done, it is truly unacceptable for a rebuilding team, a veteran team, any sort of team. You cannot. These games haven't happened to teams in the National Football League ever. I'll read you some of the stats. I I was retweeting them. Um, but they they can this guy this quarterback was on the couch. No one wanted him. No one wanted him. And three weeks ago he was sitting on the couch, and then he threw for 212 yards in the fourth quarter against. He said back to back 300 yard games. Maybe the Jets screwed up with that one. Look, we're the kings of 45 minutes. We should petition the league for three quarter games. If that was the case, we'd be going straight to the postseason. Right. Uh, the fourth quarter. It's. I mean. The Bears had four possessions. They had a total of 48 net yards and zero points. The Browns in the fourth quarter, just passing yards, as you mentioned. They had 212 passing yards. They scored 13 points. So it's a combination. Offensively, you're not doing anything. Defensively, you're coughing up big leads. Like, they're walking hand-in-hand into Disasterville every fourth quarter in some of these games. All these games are like 95% win rate. You know, like historical collapses. I'll read you some of the uh, numbers as as to, like, when the last time some of these 
like games have ever happened, and, and in some cases, never. It's improbable on so many fronts on some of the things that have happened. And, and, and I did a poll question, what's the worst of the four? There have been like four games that have just made Bears fans very, very mad. The opener against the Packers, yes. it sort of just laid the foundation um, as to the disappointment level as to the start of the second year. Um, and then the three collapses. Like, which one has really made you the most upset this year? And if you want to sound off, 312-332-3776. Is this the final nail in the coffin for Matt Eberflus? Is this the final nail in the coffin for Justin Fields? I want to hear from you. Waddle wants to hear from you. Plenty of time. We're guest-free the rest of the way. React to what Matt Eberflus has to say. We'll take all your phone calls coming up next. Waddle and Sylvie, from our State Street studio to your hellish commute home, we're there with you making it bearable. Never mind. Back to Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. Flacco takes the shotgun snap to play fake to Strong with time setting up something down the field on the presser. Pockets it. There it is. Amari Cooper to the 10, to the end zone, for the touchdown. We got a one-point game, point pending in Cleveland. Under a minute to go, third and 15. The ball on the 47 of Cleveland. Snap back, pressure from Brisker on the blitz. Throws to an open man. Hits Njoku for the first down inside the 40. Running left down the sidelines. And Eddie Jackson finally catches up to him. At the 19-yard line of the Bears with 46 seconds to go in the game. From the right hash, snap is down. Swings his right leg, and Dustin Hopkins is good. From 34 yards, Cleveland lead. Snap to Fields, steps up. Now he's just got a launch. It's going to be a Hail Mary coming to the near side. Launches into the end zone, middle of the end zone, passes batted around, and it oh. is intercepted by Cleveland. Joniak and Thayer right here on your home for the Bears. They're still blaming me for being sick? Thayer is. Yeah. Joniak's fine. I mean, uh, we left Joniak alone. That's what I said. So there's still blaming me for him being sick right now. Does he understand that the incubation period just wasn't long enough for me to have been the one that got him sick? Yeah, yeah. I don't like. I, I don't know how he could blame you. I'm an easy target for L- Tom. The Thursday, but Tom was my guy. You were you were around there Thursday night, and then he said he got sick. Uh, he was sick by Friday. That can't happen. No, not not from you doctors. We tell you that that's no. I'm not the only guy in the city. Also, that's got oh yeah, a little bit of funkiness attached the to the whole it. station. Does yeah. So this is at two forty four. Two forty four yesterday. The text chain yesterday too was was alive. It was alive with stuff. I don't even want to share what Tyler was tweeting yesterday about the Niners. That's gonna yeah. stay within the. That's gonna stay within the afternoon show. <laughs> Tyler, I don't know what Talk got into smack Tyler. about the, the Ty- dis- decidedly best team in the National Football League. Tyler, Tyler doesn't talk smack about anybody, and then he turns into Shane Norling about Brock Purdy. Yeah, one person he's talked junk about, and that's that's the quarterback out there. I, I don't know why in Santa Clara. Well, you guys forgot Coach K too. So there's that's two. That's true. Yeah, right. Good call, Mallard. Good call. By the way, uh, you got uh, Ohio State's quarterback now, too. Oh, it was boy. a big weekend. It was, there was Just a what lot. you wanted, right? Well, the, they got a bunch of transfers from Georgia, too. Like, they're rolling. The Syracuse Isn't their new coach was an assistant at Georgia, He was the right? defensive back coach, yeah. yeah. 
Right. Well, we're not here to talk about Syracuse football. 244 yesterday. I, I sent to the group, if they blow this, dot, dot, dot. Waddle's response is, they can't. The Browns can't block. It's true. They can't block. They, and your response was, they can't blow this. It, like, it, saying that it, it will be impossible for the Bears to blow this game. This one was more tucked away, I think, than any of the others. Because when you face the Lions, the Lions still had, their offensive line was intact. The Browns were starting four. When uh, Betonio, or Betonio, however you pronounce his name, went out, they were down to four backups. Mm. And, and a couple of them were backups to backups. Mm. It's an offensive line that our defensive line gave them hell all game long. That's why I asked the coach the question about why you're third and 15 in that situation. Why even take a chance with that aggressive blitz? Because the only thing that can get you is if somebody gets behind you. But why do you even put yourself in that position when your front four has given their front four backups or their front five, four backups, hell all game long? So just keep everything in front of you. And they chose to get overly aggressive and it, and it bit them. And Joku made a great play. And that listen, you can say whatever you want about Joe Flacco. He's not going to the Hall of Fame. But you can't fool Joe Flacco. He's seen everything in this league because yeah. he's 38 years old. The mind is still yes. right. right. Well, by the way, I mean, the mind is, and, and he's going to throw it to the other team as well, but he can spin it every now and again, oh, too. Yeah. A couple well, he, throws. His arm's always been yeah. one of the better arms in the league. Yes. Let me read you these. These were uh, going around social media yesterday. No head coach in NFL history has ever lost multiple games in a single year despite owning a 10 or more point lead. And at least having a plus two turnover margin heading into the fourth quarter. That's Matt Eberflus. Okay? No head coach in NFL history ever lost multiple games in a single year with a 10 or more point lead with that turnover margin of two or more. And Matt Eberflus now has done that. We're making history here. Um, This was another one. Since 2015... Teams that had at least three sacks in a game, three interceptions in a game, and a pick six were 40-0. All those things added up since the 2015 season were 40-0. The Bears are the first team since 2015 to lose a game like that. Uh, Another stat. The Cleveland Browns have not had two receivers in a single game to go for more than 100 yards since 2013. This has not happened in a decade. It's a long time. Where two receivers in a single game went, and it happened with that 38-year-old quarterback that nobody wanted until the end of November, and, and, and in which you had him bottled up for three quarters. This is why when people come to me and they say, well, you know, Eberflus is a good defensive coordinator, or Eberflus would be a hot candidate if he was just the defensive coordinator. If this was Allen Williams coordinating the Bears, and he had the same exact credentials, where the Bears' defense was now getting better with these young players, and that they were taking the ball away, but they had three historic collapses where they lost to Denver, they lost to the Lions, and then they lost to Cleveland— We'd all be wanting Allen Williams to be fired as not not head coach, D.C. Yeah. D.C. 
this isn't good enough for the D.C. either. It's fine that this unit is getting better and that the players are good. It's because of Ryan Poles. But the jockey has got to bring the horse home. Good horse racing analogy. Yeah, especially with a young horse. The jockey has got to finish the race for the horse. And to ignore that and to just give them the credit for getting better is not right. We would all want the D.C. fired under Matt Eberflus under the same circumstances. We would not excuse Alan Williams for the exact same credentials. Defense getting better. Defense leading the NFL in interceptions. Young players getting better. But historic collapses that have never happened, basically, in decades. Or, in some cases, ever in the NFL. And he should not keep his job as head coach. And they need to reset this thing. Ryan Poles has done a nice job of putting the players together. The Montez Sweat deal has worked out way better than I ever thought. Way better. I never thought he was this good of a player. He now leads the Commanders and the Bears in sacks this year. First time it's ever happened. He has done. He has put some really, really good pieces together. It is time now to get the leader correct for this team going forward. It takes a village to cough up games like that. Like, to do what they did. Like, the collective effort to fail in crunch time. Like, it's just, I can't even, I can't even fathom it. Like I said to you when I was texting, like, that offensive line had no business dictating anything to this Bears team. Like, you... You you gave them hell for quarter after quarter after quarter. I don't know why you needed to get cute. You were pressuring Joe Flacco with four consistently. You got to make plays, too. Like, I'm with you. Everything you said, I, I'll, I'll co-sign with the coaches. These players as well. Like, this is professional football. This isn't high school. This is the NFL. Like, make a play. Robert Tunyon, make a catch. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Stevenson, it was a fine interception you made, but if you're supposed to be there making that play on Amari Cooper, then make it. Like, there's too many opportunities for guys to make plays and they just don't execute. And I think it's easy. I'm not suggesting, I'm not tailoring this to you. I think it's easy to point the finger singularly at a coach or a coaching staff. And they're culpable. But for the love of everything good and pure, like... You couldn't have just kicked this away just as coaches. You kicked it away as well because of players. Player execution. You go back to the Bronco game. They turned it over twice in the fourth quarter. One was a a fumble for a a return for a touchdown. Like the, the Detroit game. Like the number of missed tackles and missed assignments. And in this game, like for the love of everything good and pure, do you know what our offense did in the fourth quarter? They had four possessions. Three and out on two of them. Where you gained six yards on one and you lost two yards in the other drive. Other drive you had, you got one first down on a scramble by Justin. You ended up on a f- with 14 yards gained on that drive and you punted. And then the final drive, which you had one play that was positive. It was a 30-yard throw and catch to Tyler Scott where Newsom or one of the cornerbacks just casually forgot to push him out of bounds. You had a net 48 yards and zero points in the fourth quarter from mm-hmm. your offense. Mm-hmm. 
And we've already highlighted what the defense was victimized for. 212 passing yards in the fourth quarter and 13 points. Like, I mean, it's, it's such a good. It's, yeah, it, it takes a village. Takes a village. Tyler, to, like before Tyler Scott made the play to put him in closer to field goal range down the stretch, he dropped that yeah, pass. Right, like, like drop that pass. You got to catch that ball. Yeah, got to catch that ball. I mean, there's just too many. Listen, they were pressured. Justin was pressured more in this game than in any game he had played. I think Courtney was the one that that brought us that 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 fact. Like. Where is the offensive line performance, guys, with and on blocks? Now, we can also say maybe you should have had a more sound protection package. Okay, maybe that's part of the equation as well. That's why I've said for weeks now, this is combined culpability. Like, at some point, we got to just stop blaming here or here. It's all And say that, yes, it takes a village to cough up leads like this. It's the quarterback, too. Like The quarterback had balls dropped for him, but the quarterback... Can't have that many drives go three and out. Eight the quarterback can't. He's got to sustain drives better. The, it, 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 the, it, the quarterback is the most important player on that football field. A top he's to be, He can't be outgained by Joe Flacco in the fourth quarter alone for the game. Yeah. 212 yards in the fourth quarter for Joe Flacco alone. Justin Fields can't have less passing yards than Joe Flacco, who is on his couch. And by the way, Joe Flacco... the entire game than Joe Flacco had in the fourth quarter. Joe Flacco is, again, standing behind four backup offensive linemen for 60 minutes. It's a total failure. Yes. And and it's so frustrating. Um, I had a crying nine-year-old in my house, and he looked at me and he said, you don't understand. (laughs) And I said, I don't understand. Like, I didn't go off on him. I go, Mason, I understand. I've lived it. We've all lived it. Like... I, I hate, and I hate that he's going through this. Like I said, it, it's just a go game. Go outside and shoot some baskets, kid. <laughs> they did. They went outside and they went, went yeah. to play football. And I go, I said to Braxy, who just got back from baseball, I go, did you see the end of the game? He goes, yeah. Now can we go play football? Yeah. You know, like he shrugs it off. I got a seven-year-old who shrugs it off. I got a nine-year-old who it just crushes. It, it crushes his soul. It crushes his, and, and I was tweeting about this. Somehow, some way, my wife invited the only Cleveland Browns kid in the entire Deerfield neighborhood to my house yesterday. Is he from Cleveland? Uh, his dad is. Gotcha. And he was, he was like, that's my guy, Miles Garrett. That's my that's guy, Njoku. That's a good guy to be a fan of. Yeah, I Miles mean, like, he's, he's jumping up and down in my basement while all this is going on. I got a crying nine-year-old. I got a kid who's also nine Jumping up and down. Was he rubbing it in to Mason? Was he rubbing it in? Not rubbing it in, but celebrating the Browns. And I'm like, what's going on here? At any point, did they wrestle? No, no. No? no. They're good friends. They're good friends. It is like, look, it's something that it's very hard to process for me as a 56-year-old grown-ass man. That you can be so good over here in so many ways. And you can be so bad over here. In so many ways. And a lot of times it comes in crunch time. So, look, I've said this a bunch recently. There are a lot of things about this team I really like. I think Ryan Poles has done a really nice job in a lot of stuff. Not a 100% hit rate, okay? Claypool, we can talk about that forever. Valus Jones, we can talk about that forever. We can talk about a lot of stuff. Nobody's going to hit 100% of their moves. He's done a pretty damn good job upgrading the talent on this roster. Look better now. Now you got to find a way. Guys got to hold themselves accountable. 
everyone in the building needs to be held accountable. Sure. It's not good enough on so many fronts to get to where you want to go. It's why you're five and nine in a horribly mediocre league. I'll tell you next why Chase Claypool is a great example of what Ryan Poles has to do going forward. Uh, I'll sell that to you coming up in all your calls. I know a lot of people want to talk. We'll get to all of them coming up. We are guest free three three two three seven seven six. Waddle and Sylvie are back. Are back. Follow the show on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie and at T Waddle 87. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Uh, you know, Chase Claypool was, as you pointed out, a, a bad move, but he moved off of him. Yeah. And uh, he eventually traded him to Miami. Maybe it took a couple weeks too long. But he did move off of him. And Ryan Poles has to learn from that and do the same now with his coaching staff. And he has to do the fresh start when he, and with the quarterback situation probably going the way we think it's going to go. Um, I wonder if he's got a, blind spot would be a bad way to say it. Because he's got a great eye for a lot of stuff. But when it comes to wide receivers, maybe he needs somebody else in the building to to help point him in the right well, direction. Has Kansas City shown you that maybe they're not great at yeah, um, measuring yeah. wide receivers? Because, yeah. like, look, I mean, identifying DJ Moore and saying that's a guy that is a huge difference maker, that doesn't take a ton of talent. That just takes the ability. Of course. Of, he, it's self-explanatory. He, he's not, he's not, uh, he's looking at his pro resume, not his yeah. college resume. Correct. But look at, look at, he's come from Kansas City. Has Kansas City done a good job, other than Cheetah, drafting um, wide receivers recently? Doesn't appear to be. Rasheed Rice is, looks like he's going to be a player, yeah. but... Um, I look. Some guys are really good at certain areas, but the wide receiver position has been a head scratcher. Whether it was Valus Jones or you know Tyler Scott has left a lot to be desired on a number of a number of situations. I know he's a rookie, but I just hope he doesn't have a blind spot for his guys. And and once his guys don't produce yeah. like he thought they would, yeah. I don't want him to pivot. continue. Right, I don't want him to continue to say, "Well, I I, I see it in him." I, yeah. I, like he's got to say, "This isn't good enough." Um, Reggie on the south side, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Reg? If they did it right, if they really was in that dance of the helping people. You, you got to take us off. Right, Reggie, we can't understand you. You got to pick up the speaker. Going as precious properly, sick and stuff. I, I, will, I, will, I will apply. I will, I will do what they ask I, was he talking to us? I don't know. I don't think I don't so. Think he was. I think he's, he's talking, talking to someone to else. Yeah. See if or you can get a Reggie back. Um, Josh uh, is in Ohio. What's up, Josh? Yeah. Hey, boys. Appreciate you guys feeling my call. You got it. Yeah. You know, I think the thing that was particularly disheartening um, is just that the offense. You know, it's not just one guy, right? Like it's. I say this jokingly, but it's almost like they sit in the huddle and they take turns pulling straws to decide whose turn it is to mess up on a given play, right? Like, the quarterback did not play well. The offensive line did not play well. The particularly did not play well. Three, like, they were bad. Um, the running backs, the tight ends, and the receivers were almost a liability in pass pro and in the run-blocking game. And I thought Getzey probably had one of his bigger stinkers of the year. I mean, I'm still trying to find out what the game plan was. 
is we were constantly in second and long, third and long, and asking this offense to play in the drop back anticipatory passing game is just not a recipe for success. So, hey, if you're Ryan Poles, like how how do you judge this game, right? Like how do you judge the quarterback? How do you judge the receivers? How do you judge you know the offensive line? Like in my opinion, like this is nothing short of just a complete disaster and a complete rebuild over the off season because this isn't good enough. Well, you asked the question, Josh. How does the the court or the the general manager like? None of it's good enough. None of it. The play calling, the quarterback play isn't consistent enough. The receivers are dropping balls. The offensive line allowed a forty-plus percent pressure rate. Like none of it's good enough. But I don't know if it's like a complete rebuild. I think you've now got a nice little core here, and with the right move at quarterback and with the right coach, I think you can really take a gigantic step next year. I think that they're pointed in the right direction for sure. There's no question about that. Um, yeah, I don't think it's I, I I don't think it's a mess at all. But it needs significant attention, to say the least. Mohammed, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mohammed? Hey guys, how you doing? We're good. good. Appreciate you guys taking my call. So I'm going to take you guys back to I want to say 2015. It was, this was after the 2014 season. Phil Emery's gone. Um, Mark Trestman's gone, and Jay Cutler's gone. Ernie, of course, he comes in. He helps Ted Phillips. He helps George McCaskey pick the GM. And there we go. We, we, get, um, we get Ryan Pace. Whether or not he picked, the, he picked his head coach in John Fox, he didn't. still we don't know yet. He did? No, he, he did not. No. That was, that, was, not, yeah. that was an Ernie Accorsi, hey, trust me, you're young. Let me get you a veteran head coach. And uh, exactly. trust us, we're pairing you guys together. Exactly my point, yeah. And so he goes ahead, he gets John Fox. We fast forward to the 2017 draft. We pass on Mahomes. We get Trubisky. And then in 2018, after the 2017 season, we're stuck with Trubisky in pace, and we fire John Fox. Matt Nagy comes in. We have this surprising window, this exciting time, 2018 Bears. Um, That all goes down the drain. 2020 comes along. Matt Nagy should have been fired, but we move on. 2021 comes along. Um, we drive Justin Fields and Trubisky's gone. So now we got Nagy, Pace, and Fields. Hmm. Then we move on to 2022. We get rid of Nagy and Pace. We're left with Justin Fields. We get Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. Yeah. With the help of Bill Polian as well. Bill Polian picked Ryan Poles, and it was it sounded like Bill Polian, Bill Polian influenced Ryan Poles to get um, Matt Eberflus. I don't know if that's 100%. Excuse me. Polls Polls picked Eberflus. That was a a collaboration by the agent. Yeah, that was not Poland. What I'm saying is that don't the stories seem familiar though? Yes, it's a it's a circle of suck. Like I said, it's no one's ever together. No one's ever growing together. I want a head coach who comes in next year who helps draft the quarterback where they're both together where their successes are tied together, where they have to win together, and they depend on each other, their success depends on it, and no one is on different timelines. That's that's never happened in decades 100%. here. 100%. And I'm saying, like, because I'm, a, I'm going on Bears Twitter. First of all, I also want to, like, tell you guys, you guys are talking about one of the him Fields fan club. I'm, you're talking to one of those guys. Um, that ended, unfortunately, Sunday. But there's this whole debate on Twitter saying, do we keep Matt Eberflus and keep Justin Fields? Do we keep Matt Eberflus and let go of Justin Fields or vice versa? 
Well, look, if you get rid of Matt Eberflus and you keep Justin Fields, you're giving Justin his third coaching staff in his in his young career. Sure. That does not make sense. No. And then, vice versa, if you get Matt Eberflus and you keep Matt Eberflus and then with him and Poles, they draft a quarterback, you're just going to fire him in 2024 and it's 2022 all over again. Of course. You, you, you've you got to have everyone on the same clock. And I said clock, Waddle. Did you say you, clock? Yeah, you, you've got to have... Kevin Warren have a say with Ryan Poles in the coach and the quarterback where they all work together and they all want it to work. And there's and, and everyone's like you like to say, pull on the same end of the rope. Mm-hmm. And it's their guy. It's all of their guys together. It's a pretty simple concept. Really is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not hard. Oh, and then where Eberflus gets another quarterback, and then if he doesn't work, a new coach comes in, and then you're hiring a coach based on, oh, he's got to like the new quarterback. Like, it, it, it's make it stop and, like, just get everyone on the same I timeline. would advise Muhammad to not get involved in the Twitter arguments. Yeah. They just, you know it's what? They're not good for your health. Done. It's I, not good I, for your health. I've told you, though, it's easier said than done. I know. It's easier said than done. It's not good for your health, though. All right, uh, 312-332-3776 if you want to uh, weigh in. There was some good. There, 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 I, I know it's uh, like I, I do believe that there are some, some things here that next year, if, if you hire the right people, make the right moves, that they can be a team that, that does take off. Uh, we'll play you some of those things coming up next.